ladies and gentlemen, we've made it to day three in our journey through 30 scriptures. Day three, scripture number three. Are you ready? I hope you are because we begin now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Theology Central Podcast. It is Wednesday, June the 15th, 2022. It is currently 2.10 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. When the quality of your podcast isn't very good, when the quality of what you're trying to do isn't very good, you always cover it up with epic intro music. Do, do, do you think it works? Do you think, you know what? I, I, I've already received, the intro is too long. It's overdramatic. It's ridiculous. You're just being foolish. Look, I no matter what I do, I can't win. Someone's going to complain. I hope you understand the epic music there is, is to be, to have a little bit of fun. It's a little tongue in cheek, right? It's, it's like, I'm trying to, I'm like, I'm winking at you. Like, Hey, do you get the joke? Do you get the joke? Because we're trying to do something that we, that I already worked on before. And I didn't think it went really well. So I'm just kind of repackaging it, trying to do it in a way that I think will be beneficial. And I'm kind of giving a little like, yeah, yeah. I know that this hasn't been the best attempt. I know that we're tr- what we're trying to do doesn't work perfectly, but I'm trying to have a little bit of fun by, well, buying epic music to try to make it like, hey, we're going to have this epic journey. And it really, in many cases, may nothing turn out to be nothing more than an epic failure and an epic train wreck. But if it's an epic failure and if it's an epic train wreck, but it has epic theme music, Doesn't that cover up the epic train wreck? Doesn't that cover up the epic failure? As long as you have an epic soundtrack, it covers up how epically bad everything you're trying to do is. That's the joke, okay? It's a joke. 
Some people are like, you take yourself too serious. You, you think you're something important, but trying to put some kind of, and I was like, calm down. You're missing the whole point. It's trying to have a little bit of fun. It's kind of a joke. Do you get, do you understand what a joke is? Do you understand being a little kind of sarcastic? Do, do, do you get it? Do, do you get it? Please understand what I'm trying to do. Okay. Now I don't have time to, ex- you know what? It's, once you have to explain it, it's no longer funny. Once you have to explain it, I, I, everyone's missed the point. It's trying to have a little bit fun. Because remember, Charles Stanley wrote a book called 30 Life Principles. Life principles that he's been teaching over 50 years of ministry. This was a sermon series. It was a book. It was a study guide. It was a DVD series. It even turned into a Bible called the Life Principles Bible. You, Whenever you get a, maybe one of those catalogs from the Christian book distributors, you'll see all of the different 30 Life Principles, you know, merchandise that, you know, all came from the sermon series. Remember, I was a very, way back, I was attracted to it, 30 life principles. And I always thought, okay, I'll write these 30 life principles down. I'll write down each scripture that's connected. And I will just meditate. Like each day, I'll try to meditate on one of these life principles because he's been preaching for 40, 50 plus years. I, I don't agree with all of his theology, but he probably has gained a lot of wisdom. I, I think I could learn from this. And so I started studying the life principles. And do you remember what happened? I was always like, Wait, wait, the scripture you're providing there, I don't think really proves that life principle. I don't think it really works. I I just don't think it works. And I kept going, well, maybe I'm missing it. So I would study the study guide in the book and go, I can't, I can't make it work. I can't make it work. I'm trying to connect it. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it just drove me nuts because everyone else was buying it. Everyone else was using it. Nobody else seemed to see a problem. So I'm like, the problem has to be in me. So we did a little kind of a, a podcast mini series, the Thirty Life Principles, and I tried to look at some of them, and it it it, just, it still doesn't work. It just it just it never works. So I decided, you know what? Let's repackage all of this and let's do this. Let's take thirty days to look at thirty scriptures that come directly from these life principles. I'm giving you the life principle, and I'm giving you the main scripture offered to supposedly support that principle. This is day three. I'm not going to review all of the principles that we came up with because what we're doing is we're looking at the principle, the scriptures they we're looking at the principle they gave, the scripture they gave. What we've seen so far is not once the scripture they gave supported the principle they gave, but we thought we found some principles of our own, and I gave you those principles in part one and part two, and we're going to try to do the same thing today in part three. We're just going to look at the scripture and see what principles we come up with and see how much it's disconnected from the principles they give. Because this is a, every day, I want this, I want this to be a reminder to you. I hope if you miss, if you don't get the joke, if you miss everything else I've tried to do in this series, don't forget this. This entire exercise demonstrates this very important reality that happens within the evangelical world. In sermons, in Christian books, in Christian podcasts, time and time again, someone has a belief, they have a principle, they have a theology, and it seems like they have that principle, that idea, that theology. They have that first, then they go to the Bible to find some scripture to try to prove it or support it. And that's the wrong way. We don't come up with our theology or idea first and then go to scripture to support it. We study the Bible without the filter 
of a theological system or a conclusion or an idea. We just study the scriptures, purely study the scriptures. And then from that study, we see what theological belief, what theological idea emerges from it. Either you're imposing your belief on the scriptures or your belief is arising from the scriptures. And I'm telling you, it's it's a fine line between those. You can convince yourself, oh, no, 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 my idea came from the scripture. And you're like, no, you're imposing your idea on the scripture. So if you don't learn anything else, hopefully you will learn that by the time this 30-day journey through 30 scriptures is over. So are you ready for today? I hope you are. I'm trying to make these short. Okay, let me state that again. I'm trying to make these shorter than our typical one hour and 15, one hour and 20 minute long episodes. I hope you're benefiting from this. And, and well, we'll see. We'll see. Have a re- the only feedback I've received is negative towards the, well, the music. But that's because everyone missed the point of what I was trying to do. But that's okay. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. I'm opening my Kindle app. I'm going to life principle number three as written by Charles Stanley. And the principle is this. God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. That sounds good. God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. Now, if I was to give you that, give you that principle and say, okay, what scripture would you, you go, go to? Now, again, what you should do is already start with the scripture and then arrive at the principle. But here they're giving us the principle and they give us a scripture. But what scripture would you go to to prove that God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm? What scripture would you point out? What scripture would you go to? If, if someone is, is going through a storm and you looked at them and said, you know what? God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. And here is the scripture that proves that. What scripture would you give? What scripture? I've got, I got one, I think, that comes to my mind. I think I have at least one, I th- maybe two. Any of the ones that come to my mind is not the one that's provided here. Because the one that's provided here is this. So here's the principle. God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. And just a quick reminder, remember how we're doing this. I'm not, I'm doing this in real time. This is very, this is very organic. I'm opening up the book, Life Principles, 30 Life Principles, clicking on it, and then just looking at it in real time. Now, to be fair, we have studied this one in our previous little mini series on 30 Life Principles. So we've already looked at this in some part, but I I didn't do any preparation for this because I'm trying to force myself to look at the scripture they give on the spot and go, wait, does that support their principle? Or what principles would I come up with based on the verse, right? So my mind is already saying, this is the verses I think I would use to support that principle. God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. But when I look at the book, none of the scriptures that come to my mind is here. The scripture they provide is Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. Numbers 23, 19. I've, I've tried to set down a pencil. Remember, whenever I'm doing something in an impromptu way where I, I'm, I've got to be forced to think on the spot, right? That's why these could turn out to be epic train wrecks because, look, there's no safety net. I'm live on the air. There's no edit. There's not an edit button. Whatever happens, happens. I have to have that pencil in my hand. I can't think without a pencil in my hand, right? But I'm putting it down, all right? 
So, so I'm going to focus, right? Numbers 23, 19. Numbers 23. And I'm just, as soon as I see that, I'm like, wait, that's not what I would, where are they going? And so then I pick up a Bible and I go to Numbers 23, 19. And I read these words. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? All right. Now, I understand there's context here. I understand this is in the story of Balaam and uh, Balak, and Balak wants Israel cursed, and Balaam is told not to go, then he's, then he's told to go, then God gets mad that he went, and then there's a talking donkey. We, we, we did a, a kind of a little mini-series looking at part of this story, I hope was beneficial. So, but in the midst of all of this, where you've got Balak, you've got Balaam, you've got all these things, go, you, you've got the donkey, you've got all these crazy things going on. In the midst of all of this, we have this verse, right? And just so that you get the, uh, just so that you get the context, I am going to provide a little context. I'm trying not to do that. I'm trying to just look at the verse they give, but I'm, I'll just try to provide a little bit of context here. The Lord met Balaam. This is twenty three sixteen. The Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, "Go again unto Balak and say thus." And when he came to him, behold, he stood by his burnt offering and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said unto him. What hath the Lord spoken? And he took up his, this par, his parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear. Hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? That is the scripture for day three and our journey through these 30 scriptures. Now, what do you think we should do with this? Now, I think this raises some, obviously this raises some, some serious theological questions because you've got some passages of scripture where it seems to indicate, well, God repented of doing this or God repented of doing that. Clearly, it can't be, just a, a clear contradiction of that. There's got to be a clear difference in those in some way, shape, or form, and we can try to explain that, but that would be, uh, be, uh, be beyond the scope of what we're trying to do here. Remember, the, the task is, does that verse support the principle given by Charles Stanley? Either yes or no. Secondly, even, even if we agree or if we disagree, what principles would we take from the text? So, Let's go back to the principle. God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. Well, the text gives us a couple of things about God's word here. Number one, let's look at them. God is not a man that he should lie. God is not a man that he should lie. How far do we want to break this down? I'm going to, I, I like this concept. God is not a man that he should lie. I think indicates that if God was a man, right, as you and I, as human beings, God is not a human. 
If he was a human, he would be obviously very much vulnerable to lying because, well, we have a heart that's desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. In other words, God is not a man. He is not subjected to that that depraved nature that we have. Lying is very much a part of your nature. I want you to think about this. The most deceitful thing on the entire planet, you may think politicians are deceitful. You may say pastors are deceitful. You may think your boss is deceitful. You may think your husband is deceitful. You may think your kids are deceitful. You may think everyone in the world are liars and deceivers. But let me make it very clear. The most deceitful thing in the world is your own heart and mine. The human heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. You can read that in the book of Jeremiah. The human heart. So lying is literally a part of our DNA. It's it's who we are. We are liars. You don't like that. You don't like to be called a liar. You probably get offended if I would say, you're a liar. You'd like, how dare you say that? You'd get mad. You'd get offended. If your husband calls you a liar, if your kids call you a liar, if your coworkers call you a liar, if someone in your church calls you a liar, you'd probably like, how dare you say that? I am honest and I have an integrity and I tell the truth. And it's like, no, even when we're speaking truth, there's usually some kind of lie connected to it. They're, lying is a part of who we, God is not a man that he should lie. He, he is not subjected to that depraved nature. He's above it. God is spirit. He is above it. He is holy. He's without a sinful nature. He's not corrupted by it. It, it, I don't know how, I don't know how honest we are about how, how much lying is a part of our nature. I know some people, it may manifest itself more frequently but I, I th- listen, we lie to others, we lie to ourselves, and we lie to our creator. We try to lie to others, we lie to ourselves, and we lie to our creator. It's a part of us. God is not a liar. There is no deceit found in him because he is holy. God is not a liar. Now, remember the principle, God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. Okay. I think the first thing we've, we see is that God, now you could say, we could do it this way. God is not a man that he should lie. I'm going to read this on a different translation. I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Let me reach over here. Let me reach over here. Okay. I'm, I'm going to grab my Kindle. I'm setting it down and I got to reach way back over here to this very larger Bible. It's a, it's a pulpit Bible. I, I call, it's called a pastor's Bible is what it's called, but it, it's, it's much larger. It's, uh, okay, okay, here we go. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he might lie or a son of man that he might change his mind. Does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? So I think the idea that, first of all, God is not a man. He's a spirit. He's, he's, he is not a human. He is spirit. Now, obviously, Jesus takes upon human flesh and truly true man and true God and hypostatic union. We get in that. But I think I'm going to say, how do we want to do this? God 
is not infected, impacted, or motivated by human depravity, right? He's not, he's not infected, impacted, or motivated in his actions by human depravity. In other words, that depravity doesn't impact his decisions, his actions, I think that's. I think. I think it's very important. I don't. Do we want to write that down as a principle? I don't know. I don't know. But what we can say this: God doesn't lie. God does not lie. God does not lie. I'm going to write that down as a life principle. You, you know what? I, here's here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. Grabbing a notebook. Because I've already got the other four principles that we've given. You're like, how do we already have four principles in three? And, and today is just day three. Because don't you know who you're listening to? Okay, all right. So we already have four principles. I'm not going to review them. I'm going to put number five. We must see ourselves as liars and God as true. As God, as God as true and one who doesn't lie. Now, I'm going to have to rewrite that because you won't. Right now, I wrote that in my uh, medical handwriting from 20, 19 years in the medical, 22 years total in the medical world. So, uh, yeah, it, it looks like, yeah, it looks like a doctor's writing. Okay, but hopefully I can read it later on. But we must see ourselves as liars, God as true, and one who does not lie. I think that's a very important life principle. In life, you've just got to see, you, in fact, we must see ourselves I'm going to say we must see ourselves and others as liars. Now, I know that gives you a very cynical, negative view of people. I know it does. I know it does. And I'm not saying that. that so I know from a, a psychological perspective, a psychiatrist, they may look at this and go, that's not a very healthy worldview. But I believe in some ways it you've got to, you've got to try to have balance, but everyone's a liar. Everyone's a liar. Okay. Everyone's lying in some way. There's, there's deceit. Just every time we speak, every time we do anything, there's some level of deceit infecting it. I know you may strongly disagree with this, but from, I think from a biblical worldview, we come forth from the womb lying. We're liars. We speak lies. Our heart is deceitful above all things. I think it's a very important life principle just to realize you are full of deceit and everyone around you is full of deceit. Now, I know that places you in a very untrusting situation, right? That can make you never trust anyone. I, I don't think that you, I don't think this should lead to a life of complete paranoia because that's not healthy, healthy. But I think at the same time, if you have some false notion that people tell the truth, you're going to find yourself constantly discouraged, disappointed, hurt, which I think then descends into bitterness, which then can lead to a, a, a constant paranoia and a lack of trusting. I just, I just have to have in the back of my mind that I'm a, I'm a liar and everyone else is a liar. And deceit is a part of human existence. It's not excused. God condemns it. God hates lying lips. 
It's amazing how so many sins we play, we play some sins in these high categories, right? Like that's the sin that that's the sin. That's the sin. And, and we, we give all of the supposed consequences that come with it. There's not a lot of discussion about lying, but what man, lying is just a part of us. We are liars. God is true. And he does not lie. That means if you truly want truth, uncorrupted, untainted truth, God is the only source of it. Everything humans touch is corrupted. Everything we say, every thought we have, we, we can look at ourselves. We don't see, we, we deceive ourselves. Isn't it? It's hard to comprehend that I live life with the greatest deceiver inside of me, my own heart, meaning how can I trust my perception on anything? It means if I want truth, truth must be found outside of me, not inside of me. Truth must be found outside of me. Truth cannot be found inside of me. It must be found outside of me. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to write that down as a second point. We must see ourselves and others as liars, and God is true, and one, and he is one, and he is one who, who doesn't lie. I have don't lie. Who doesn't lie. And I'm going to put number six. We must find truth. outside of ourselves. I think this is a key, I think it's a key point. We must find truth outside of ourselves. That's why we, and I know this is going to make those who are charismatic upset. That's why I can't look inside. That's why I, I, I just posted a series called Theology of Conscience. That's why when people say, listen to your conscience, I can't, why? I, anything inside of me, any feeling. I can't rely on a feeling. I can't rely on trying to hear God's voice inside of me. If I want truth, it always must be external to me. I look to God outside of me and his word, which is outside of me. Truth must always be found outside of me because anything inside of me, anything that arises from within me cannot be trusted. I cannot truly trust my emotions. I cannot truly trust my conclusions. I cannot truly trust myself. Because I am a liar. Truth must be found outside of me. It, it must be external to me. That's why make Bible interpretation is such a, a, a tricky en endeavor. Because, because once I take God's word and bring it into me, it's now going to be tainted in some way by the corruption that's found within me. All right, so I'm going to go back to Numbers 23, 19. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. All right, and remember the, the principle I gave, the principle I gave is we must see ourselves and others as liars because human beings are liars. God is not a man. He's not, he's not, he's not impacted by, the, by human nature, right? By the, by the sinful depravity. God is true and God is true and as, and is, okay, God is true and is one who doesn't lie. 
God is true and one who doesn't lie. So, we, so the principle is this. We must see ourselves and others uh, as liars and God as true and is one who doesn't lie. Right, I'll have to re- write these again. And then number six, we must find truth outside of ourselves. We must find truth outside of ourselves. I think those are two important principles that we get from this. Let's continue. Um, did I say Exodus? Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. All right. I'm going to say this. God is not, not one who should repent. God is not one who changes his mind. So I'm going to say, I'm going to put number seven. God's truth never changes. God's truth never changes. Now, I know you say, but in other situations, he repented. We could get into a whole discussion about that, but we can't believe that if God's truth changes and we can't trust God's truth, if God just changes his mind about, because this is really, in other words, this is really the focus here on, on, on Numbers 23 and 19. Just focus. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and he shall not do it? Or hath he spoken and he shall not make it good? This is really focusing on his word, his truth. So, so let's go through the principles again. Let's go through these one more time, all right? And we're going to repeat these a number of times. We must see ourselves and others as liars, and God is true and is one who doesn't lie. Number two, or number six, we must fix that. We must fix, we must find truth outside of ourselves. And number seven, or I, I'm, I'm putting these in the order that we, we've been in from our previous uh, studies. So you don't have to call these five, six, and seven. You can just call these one, two, and three for this episode if you want. So we'll, I'm going to call these number one. We must see ourselves and others as liars. God as true and is one who doesn't lie. Number two, we must find truth outside of ourselves. And number three, God's truth never changes. God's truth never changes. God's truth never changes. God's truth never changes. And then Numbers 23, 19 goes on to say, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? All right? So I'm going to add another one here. I'm going to add another principle. The only words we can trust are are God's words. There we go. Remember, I'm doing this on purpose. I'm doing this on the spot. I'm reacting to this in real time. That's the that's the fun part of this. Uh, and you can give me your own principles. So from Numbers 23:19, I'm going to read it one more time. Numbers 23:19. I'm going to read it from a different translation. Numbers 23:19. Now remember, their their thing was God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. I'm not saying it doesn't work. This one, this is the one time where the scripture at least somewhat is close to it. Um, it's just weird that they chose that verse for that principle. But I, I think there's some other principles we can take from it. But uh, Numbers 23, 19, 
God is not a man that he might lie or a son of man that he might change his mind. Does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? That's written as like a rhetorical question that God fulfills his promises. He keeps his word. You can trust his word. You can trust his word. We cannot trust Balaam's word, but you can trust God's word. You can't trust the word of Balak. You can trust Balaam's word. I can't trust my words. I can't trust your words. I can trust God's word. So here are the three principles that I want you to get today, all right? On day three, scripture three, the scripture is Numbers 23, 19. Here are the principles, all right? Now, if we if we put all the principles together from day one and day two, we would actually be starting with principle number five, but... Since we're doing these episodes, in a sense, separate, I'm just going to count them as number one. Here we go. Number one, we must see ourselves and others as liars, and God is true and is the one and is one who doesn't lie. I must see myself and others as liars. That's what we are. It's not that we just lie. We are liars. We are, it's in our nature. It's in our heart. We, we didn't, listen. We don't become liars by lying. We lie because we are liars. Liars is a part of our nature, right? We come forth from the womb speaking lies. We lie. We deceive. We deceive ourselves. We live in self-deceit. It's the thing we must constantly fight against. That's why we have to look somewhere else for truth, which will be the next point here in a minute. But we must see ourselves and others as liars. God is true, and and we must see God as the one who doesn't lie. All right, next, we must find truth outside of ourselves. The only source of truth is outside of yourself, not an inner voice, not your conscience, not your heart, not anything inside of you. You can't trust anything that you feel or hear inside of you. It must be outside of you, and that is the word of God. It's got to be found in the creator. It's got to be found in his word. God's truth never changes. God doesn't, his truth does not change because God does not change. God does not repent of his word, of his truth. The only words, in the last principle, the only words we can trust are God's words. You can't trust anybody else's words. You can't trust anybody else's words because when it comes to God's word, listen, does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? When he speaks, he acts. When he promises, he fulfills. So you, you can't trust anybody else's words. You can't trust anybody else's words. They will let you down. You can only trust God's words. Those are the principles from today, day three, and our journey through 30 scriptures. What do you think? What do you think? Do you agree with those? Now, listen, the goal here is not to deal with every theological issue that arises. That's not the goal here, right? And we're at 34 minutes, so I'm, I'm trying to keep them close to 30. I wanted to go 30 scriptures, 30 days, 30 scriptures, 30 minutes. But I knew I could not get, get it completely there because some of these take a minute to work. At. Remember, I'm working them out in real time. I'm working them out in real time. It's like we're sitting down going, okay, all right, are you ready? Let's open the book. Here's the scripture. Go. And then we work out the principles. Because remember, I love doing that in Bible Institute. I love when I would arrive at the Bible Institute on Saturday morning. There was a bowl. You would put your hand in the and there was the, all these folded pieces of paper. You would reach in, pull out, and there would be a scripture. And there would be given like two hours. Go, go anywhere in the church. Work. Uh, you've got a notebook. You've got a Bible. That's it. 
Now you work and come back and you're going to present basically a teaching on what you found in the text. It was fun. A lot of people had major problems. I loved it. I loved it. That was always nerve wracking. And sometimes I had no clue what I was doing and not all of them were very good. So I, I'm trying to borrow from that as well because I love doing that. Numbers 23 and 19. What do you think today? What do you think? Do you think those principles are consistent, not only with that scripture, but with the the totality of scripture? I know you're going to say, but the Bible says God repents. I understand that. I understand that. In fact, um, I'm going to just do something really quick because I bet you I can find something just briefly. Uh, Hang on. I'm, I'm looking something up. I'm going to see here if I can find something. Uh, Okay, here we go. Here's just, and I just did a quick Google search. The term, uh, what does it mean that God repented? The term repent as its roots means to change one's mind. To repent of sin means to change your mind about sin. At one time, you thought sin was good and acceptable and even fun. When you repent, you see sin as evil and harmful. Any change of mind can be described as repentance. When the Bible says God changes his mind, it is speaking of God in human terms. Uh, The the technical term is an uh, anthropomorphism. Of course, God knows all along what he will or will not do, and he never changes his mind because he never gets new information that he has to consider. However, as he interacts with people, he interacts in real time. God does not interact with us today on the basis of that sin that we may commit next month. Today, if we are walking in obedience and fellowship with him, God chooses not to act on what he knows is coming. Likewise, if we are living in sin today, but he knows we're going to repent next year, God does not treat us as he will next year. He deals with us now in the situation that we are in. In the King James Version, uh, in a number of passages, it says that God repented. Specifically, God repents of the punishment that he was going to sin because the people repented. God was sending judgment, but in response to the sinner's change of mind about sin, God God also changed his mind about the judgment. Because of the possible confusion such wording may produce, other translations put the word relent, which does convey the idea accurately. Now reform your ways and your actions and obey the Lord your God, then the Lord will relent and not bring the disaster he has pronounced against you. On the eternal level, level, God never changes his mind. In fact, Numbers 23, 19 says God does not lie nor repent because he never gains access to new information. But on the level of interaction with humans, from our perspective, he does. That's at least a simple answer to the problem. I know that's not a thorough investigation in it, but if you if you start having God changing his mind, then you destroy his omniscience, you destroy his his sovereignty, you destroy his eternality, you basically destroy God as being God. But for the text, for Numbers 23 and 19, I think we were able to derive those principles. So I'll just end with repeating them. We must see ourselves and others as liars. And God is true. And and God as one who doesn't lie. We must find the truth outside of ourselves. God's truth, God's truth never changes. And the only words we can trust are God's words. All based on Numbers 23 
19, which reads like this in the King James. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? This concludes this leg of the journey, not the whole journey. This is only day three. So now you have a time to sit down and rest and meditate on this. Meditate on all of the principles we've given in part and step one of our journey, step two of our journey, or stage one of our journey, stage two of our journey. Today is stage three. Now we can sit, we can stop. You can unpack everything, right? We can just, you can just rest for the day, for the evening, meditating on all of the principles and see if you agree with any of them or if you had different principles and you can contact me at news if i was going to say you can contact me at numbers 2319 you can contact me at news if at yahoo.com news if at yahoo.com meditate discuss because tomorrow we're going to pack up all of our gear and we will continue our journey our 30 day journey through 30 scriptures so be ready because tomorrow well the journey begins again